Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell and that is Kurt Souter and we are here on a little show we started a few years back called Solid Steps Radio and that name of that show did not come by accident. Uh, we wanted to start a show for men by men and we believe to walk solidly uh, as men were destined to walk. Uh, you cannot walk in your destiny unless you are walking with Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, and that is a, a truth that we've had from the beginning. And we obviously believe the ladies are the same thing, but we wanted to do sh- a show for men by men talking about things from a man's perspective and not just f- politics, sports and weather. Uh, you can get that anywhere and, and we have our portion of that too, but we wanted to have a show that really centered in on, on things that, that outlive us legacies that, uh, a man will leave, whether it's a husband as a father or just who he is in his walk with God. So. Uh, that's what we do here at Solid Steps. Thank you for listening. You know, uh, this week's show, it, depending on when you hear this, uh, it, this is arguably the most important week in all of history. Time Magazine did a a, um, a top, the most 100 influential people in all of history back, I think it was in 2008. And so number five, the most inf- influential person, according to Time Magazine, was Abraham Lincoln. Number four was... Uh, William Shakespeare, number three, was the prophet Muhammad. Number two was Napoleon. And Time Magazine's most influential person in history was a man named Jesus of Nazareth. Now, if Time Magazine, which is not exactly a Christian publication, if they said that the most influential person in all of history, which, of course, that's relative. Everybody has their opinions. But if they believe the most influential person to ever walk the earth was Jesus of Nazareth, then it's probably a good idea to make a big deal of this week being Easter week. This is Easter week when we tape this, and it's going to air originally on Easter weekend. And, Kurt, you brought up a great point in the beginning of the show how, or before we started taping, was we in the church make a really big deal about Christmas, but we may not make as big of a deal about arguably the, the most important part, which is Easter. So yeah, and, and I'm 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 fascinated by the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. It's incredible, and so we we've got an expert here coming in. We're going to just talk about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, Doctor Brian Payne. It's a great a joy to have you. It's my honor to be here. Well, so welcome to the show, and uh, you know, um, you know, Brian, when I think about I think about Jesus a hundred years after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Um, t- Chad, we've talked about this before. His influence was it increasing or decreasing? It was increasing, increasing. And and of course, five hundred years later, um, he hasn't walked this earth for five hundred years. Is his influence decreasing or increase? Uh, decreasing or increasing? It's increasing. A thousand years, the same. Hmm. And ha- here we are, two thousand plus years after his death, burial, and resurrection, and. Hmm. Every continent, every country has been touched by the life and ministry of Jesus. And one day, every tribe and tongue. Every tribe and tongue. We'll, we'll do what? We'll praise him. We'll worship him. Yeah, bow, we'll, bow be on, yeah we'll be, we will be on our faces, yeah. on our knees. So, okay, so this is Holy Week. And so, uh, Brian, first of all, you uh, teach uh, at Southern, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I primarily teach at Boyce College, the undergraduate. And, Boyce at Southern, the School of Southern, and you, um, and you're also you're also a pastor. I am uh, Fisherville Baptist Church, First Baptist Fisherville. And and, and how long have you been pastoring down there? Nine years, nine been, years, nine years. And how long have you been at Southern? This is my I'm closing out my thirteenth year. Nice, 
teaching at, at Southern. Nice. This morning you were what you were preaching on preaching, right? Well, teaching morning, on preaching. I was teaching on preaching this morning. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so uh, let's let's talk Easter week and Holy Week and uh, what talk to our listeners a little bit about before the resurrection as Jesus is approaching Jerusalem and Jesus is, uh, you know, Palm Sunday, we celebrate, you know, the week before and, and he's coming into Jerusalem. But during the week on Thursday, he is doing something very special with his disciples. What is that? Well, it's the last Passover meal. After this meal, which the Passover pointed to, it was a foreshadowing, a coming attraction, if you will, of the reality, the substance uh, uh, behind or behind the shadow, and and so he is observing the last Passover meal, and he is transforming that Passover meal uh, before the disciples' very eyes. What's interesting is that a traditional Passover meal, you would have the wine, the bread, and the lamb, and at this particular meal, there is wine, there is bread, but there is no lamb. And why is that? Because the lamb is behind the table serving the elements. And that's why and how we know that this Passover meal uh, has been fulfilled in this person and Thursday night before he will be taken to the cross on Friday. That's why the Bible calls Jesus the Passover lamb Lamb of God. 1 Corinthians 5. Yeah. And so uh, Jesus literally becomes the sacrificial lamb. There's a question that's posed by Isaac on the altar as God has commanded Abraham to lay his son on the altar. And, of course, Isaac is the seed of Abraham. God tells Abraham that it's going to be through the seed of Abraham that all the nations will be blessed. Isaac knows that he's the son of promise, at least partial fulfillment. And so he's on the altar, and he says, Father, where's the lamb? He knows a dead son does no one any good. And Abraham answers in Genesis 22.8, God will provide himself the lamb. So that really becomes the question and the tension of the Old Testament. Where is the lamb? And then in John 1, we have that remarkable passage where John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, it's like he's answering the question posed by Isaac, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's, um, yeah, and, and to tie all that together, and then the, you know, when the Passover, uh, the first Passover happens, uh, just talk about that just, just real briefly, um, uh, where, where Moses... Um, yes, you know, is the the pass you know, the, the the death angel is going to pass over all the Israelites. What's interesting about that is that it's the tenth plague, and and so the the ninth plague is there's darkness on the land, and then in the tenth plague, the the Israelites are instructed to take a lamb, and and that lamb would be would be slaughtered and the blood would be put on the the doorpost. Now, here's what's interesting, Kirk, is that a lot of people think Israel averted judgment that night. Actually, judgment came. 
It came on Israel and it came on Egypt. The question is, the, the death rate was the same in every home. There was, a, there was a corpse in every home. It was either a firstborn son or it would be a lamb. But every home, every person was judged on that evening. You're either judged in the firstborn son or you're judged in the lamb, the substitute. And so that was the final plague that would issue into the Exodus. Now, what's interesting about that, I wasn't planning to go there. Uh, in Luke, you have Jesus on the cross, and what does it say took place from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock that afternoon? Darkness over the land fell over the land, and then what you have is the death of not only the lamb, but the firstborn son. Now, in Luke chapter 9, Paul or, or Luke is writing that Jesus is going to accomplish his exodus, his exodon. I think it's Luke chapter 9, verse 31. And so what we are seeing in the cross and the resurrection, we'll get to that, is the, the eschatological, if you will, exodus. The exodus in which the first exodus out of Egypt points, the foreshadowing of the great exodus of the people of God, but it's an exodus not just out of political enslavement, it's an exodus from the enslavement of the penalty and the power of sin. A spiritual... A, it's a, a, a spiritual exodus, but it will also be, a, in time, a physical material exodus in the consummation. So, so Brian, talk to us a, a, about, okay, so, uh, you know, we're going to hit, next segment, we're going to hit on the, the resurrection and the doctrine of the resurrection, how important that is. But talk just real briefly about the death of Jesus and, and uh, summarize that, why he had to die. Well, the reality is, and, and people struggle with this, but the fact is the hope of the world is found in God's just judgment on sin. Mm-hmm. His holy wrath. His wrath is different than our wrath. Our wrath is volatile. It's, it's selfishly uh, oriented, uh, motivated. His wrath is holy and righteous and just. And so we are all sinners. Mm-hmm. The Bible says we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks out after God. We've all gone out of the way. Uh, the, the poison of asp is under our lips. The way of peace we have not known. There's no fear of God before our eyes. Paul is describing the human condition. And so we deserve judgment. And the cross is God's judgment on our sin via the substitute. And it had to go on to Jesus. It had to go on to Jesus. So we're going to take a break and uh, come back. Nothing like summing up all of humanity in about 11 minutes. <laughs> Trying to figure out why we deserve this. Uh, but now we're going to come in and say, okay, now Thursday night the Passover has happened. Uh, or excuse me, the Passover meal. Uh, Friday we've now entered into uh, actually the Jesus' death, and we're going to hit on that. But we're going to talk about why we really celebrate Easter, the resurrection. So we're going to talk about that in the next three segments. Hope you join us on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Hopefully you're coming back if you're just joining us. 
we are with Brian Payne today, and we're talking about the resurrection, Easter Sunday, and while why we celebrate it and why it's such a big deal and we almost overlook why it should be a big deal uh if uh, you need somebody to make a big deal of your finances ellen and credit union they're a local <laughs> lender they take care of you if you have money issues in regards to you need checking business personal private loans mortgage loans second loans ellen and credit union they have been a, a, a staple in this uh, area for years and they want to take care of you and they sponsor our show also vision first eye care rod rollo and his crew do a wonderful job with your eyes if you need to see better glasses contacts you need it they've got it vision first thank them for sponsoring our show as well so dr Payne, one of the one of the uh things that john mentions in his mm-hmm. gospel here and I, I love the i am statement. Mm-hmm. jesus says i am you know the bread of life i'm the i'm the good shepherd i am the the gate i'm the door i'm you know, all these, I'm the living water. I am, uh, and there's a host, but my favorite is I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And he's, uh, this is right, you know, this is in the context of he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. By the way, it's really interesting. There, um, there's only a, a couple handfuls of you, you know what we'd call people who were dead who came back to life. You know, Elisha had an experience. Elijah had an experience. Jairus's daughter was the, the widow at Nain. Yeah, the widow at Nain. Yeah. Yes. Um, there are three recorded instances of Jesus raising someone from the dead. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they all they they came back to life, but then they died again. They died again, you yes. know. I mean, but only one has died and rose and forever remains alive. Yeah, the resurrection is the promise of the new world given in advance of the old world. In this one man, you have new creation, a template of what the new heavens and the new earth will be. It is this earth but there's so there's continuity but there's also discontinuity because the glorious has swallowed up the inglorious the the mortal has been swallowed up by immortality in this one man you have new creation so talk to us about well first of all let me ask you why do you think we as christians in some regards almost celebrate christmas in a higher level than easter why is that Am I am I just reading that wrong, or am I? Uh... I, I agree with you. I think I think our uh, certainly the culture does. Uh, there's a poignant scene in a particular movie. I will not give the name of the movie, but the man is praying to baby Jesus, mm-hmm. and his wife says, "You you can't pray to him as a baby anymore. He's grown up. He's Lord." And and the the man says, "I prefer the baby Jesus," mm-hmm. and I think it speaks to the implications of the resurrection. If you take the incarnation, now the incarnation is a vital part of our salvation. He's coming to fulfill all righteousness. He's coming as our substitute to keep the terms of the law. And so we need him to be born and to to grow and, uh, and mature as a man and keep God's law in our place. But the incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas is not as daunting or perhaps threatening to us as the resurrection because if he's been raised it changes everything he is lord and he demands your fidelity he demands your obedience he demands your worship your faith 
And I think so the resurrection is more threatening to people, perhaps, than the incarnation. Yeah, and probably, you know, and because we celebrate Easter weekend, we celebrate Good Friday. Absolutely. As, you know, this whole death piece right. as well, which right. is pretty, I mean, it is a brutal, brutal death that he goes right. through. Right. Um, but keep in mind, even though the father sent him, and, the, and the, ultimately it was the father who killed him, it was the son who said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. There was a, a, an eternal, there was an agreement in the Godhead. There's an inseparable operation in the Godhead. They are in agreement with what must be done. And, and so, therefore, he prays this incredible prayer of indifference, of like, not my will, but, right. but yeah. thine be done. Exactly. And uh, so, but talk to us about, the, the, I mean, we would have no Christianity. I mean, Christianity would not be in existence today had Jesus not been raised from the dead. I read a piece, Kurt, in a newspaper by a pastor, probably, it was when I was doing my MDiv, and he said, in this piece, if, if they found the bones of Jesus and it was proven that it was the, his bones, I would still be a Christian. And I couldn't be in more disagreement with him. <laughs> the Apostle Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, we are still in our sins. Our faith is futile. Yep. It is empty. It's empty. So, so talk to our listeners about what the accomplishment of the resurrection, you know, what you know what really happened when he was raised from the grave the significance of that well there are a lot of theological implications that flow out of Christ's body being raised from uh, that grave that tomb first and foremost the the cross and the repres- uh, the cross and the resurrection represent a unified saving act, saving action uh, the resurrection signals that Christ received, or God the Father received the payment. You could say the resurrection was God's amen to the it is finished of the Son. So the resurrection signals God has been satisfied by this God-man's death on the cross for sinners. And, and the resurrection signifies that, that God the Father is uh, uh, satisfied, satisfied and... and Propi- or, or the, a fancy term, but it is used, propitiated. Propitiation being satisfying God's holy and righteous wrath on sin. So the Father is, propi- is the propitiated, the Son is the propitiator, and his death is the propitiation. So when that happens... Um, the Bible teaches that uh, he's then vic- victorious over several things. Absolutely. What, what are those things? Well, a lot of people probably don't think about it this way, but in one sense, Jesus saved us from God. Now, in the sense, he saved us from the wrath of God, but he saved us from God for God so that we could have a real relationship, filial relationship with the Father. Uh, He has saved us from God's justice so that we might have a relationship with the Father. So he saved us from the wrath of God, 
He has saved us from the penalty of sin. He has saved us from the evil one who has dominion over unbelievers. Paul describes them in Ephesians 2. He describes all of us. And he says, as for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the power of the air of this age. He's the, he's the power, he's the kingdom, the ruler of this age. And so he has saved us from the tyranny of the evil one, and he has saved us fundamentally uh, from ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I, no, nobody is more dangerous to exactly. ourselves yeah. than ourselves. You Absolutely. Know I mean? we, we are, <laughs> we're a mess. Um, d- talk a little bit about, First uh, John chapter 3 says, the yes. reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Yeah, and then notice, what is it, three verses apart from that, is this, the Son of God appeared to take away our sins. Yes. So is John is John uh, contradicting himself there where he says, here's the reason the Son of God appeared? No, John recognizes that those, those two realities travel together. So he takes away our sins and in so doing removes the dominion of the devil's power in our lives because he is the accuser. He is the, he is the accuser of those who are in their sins. And in a very real sense, the accusations are just. We are guilty, and we are enslaved, and when God takes away the guilt, he takes away the devil's power in our lives. He takes away the guilt. He takes away the shame. The shame. He takes away the condemnation. The condemnation, absolutely. And So for a Christian, there is no shame, there is no guilt. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. It's, it it's so powerful that we are not condemned, that we have, that God doesn't look at us. Um, we probably need to unpack that a little bit yeah. in the next segment. When, but when God looks at us because of the resurrection, um, he does not see us in our sinfulness. He sees perfect righteousness. That is grace. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that, at some point in time, um, that is so powerful. It is. That God sees us as righteous. Absolutely. And so the accuser is a false accuser. Yes. So many Christians struggle with their, the guilt of their past, the shame of their past, and it's, it's false guilt. It's phantom guilt because the guilt was taken on the cross. We need to, we're going to take a break because we're going to continue to unpack this incredible trueness of, of Christ. The, uh, is that a word, trueness? It is it on our be. show. I, I, I it's on it, our show. It, we, we it. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. We'll come back. In the next segment, we're going to talk about the actual resurrection. What happened on Sunday morning? Uh, some people say, well, wait a minute. I thought he said he died three days later, but he died on Friday. What is that all about? The Sunday morning resurrection. Why was that a big deal? So we're going to take a break, come back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. Thank you for listening. If you're listening on accident, you're just picking us up. We'd love to hear you. Uh, love for you to hear us and it's the show in its entirety. We're talking to Brian Payne today about the resurrection of Christ and the power of Easter. And if you want to hear it in its entirety, you can go back to SoundCloud, iTunes, or you can go to Facebook and just type in Solid Steps Radio. And we have all of our shows commercial free, thanks to great sponsors like Frank 
Enterprises. And uh, if you have any septic issues or water drainage issues, those guys can help you out. Kurt Frank and his crew, is uh, they're the masters of getting water to go where it needs to go, which is a big deal if you have a house that does not do that outside and, and in your <laughs> septic tank. And then Bright Star Home Care. Bright Star walks through with you with one of the arguably the toughest seasons of a life. If you have to care for a loved one, whether it's one day a week or 24-7 care, that is a big phase of life that people need to walk through, and they need somebody to walk through it with them. Bright Star Home Care does that. They are both sponsors of our show, and we're thankful for them for uh, being on board. So, Chad, yeah, this is a big deal. What we're talking about today is it's not just a big deal. It is the biggest deal in eternity, really. If, mm-hmm. if Jesus is not raised, yeah. Brian, you mentioned, uh, you know, quoting 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if, if Christ has not been raised, I mean, we are still, we're doomed. Paul says, if he's not been raised, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But if Christ be raised, it changes everything. It, it, yeah, it changes everything. I mean, his death had to happen. Talk to us just a little bit about the the three days um, before the you know that, that Jesus says, and three days later the Son of Man must be raised um, to you know resurrected. Some people ask questions about the three yeah. days. Talk about that just real quickly. Yeah, it, it, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's talking about a what seventy uh, two hour period. Uh, the, the, he doesn't have a watch on. Uh, that's not what he's thinking in terms of. It's just, it, it's a literal fulfillment. Now, there's so many prophecies in the Old Testament. The, the resurrection didn't occur out of the blue. The resurrection is not plan B because plan A didn't work. It's not a contingency plan. It's the plan of the ages. And so even in the Old Testament, we see prophecies, Daniel chapter 12, 1 to 3, Isaiah 26. I want to talk to you in a moment, uh, Kirk, about a prophecy that a lot of people don't pick up from Isaiah 53. Uh, but then in Hosea 6, there's a very interesting prophecy where now he's writing to these Israelites who have apostatized. They, they've turned their back on God, and they're going to be depopulated by the Assyrians. This is the northern kingdom. He's writing in the 800s B.C. But here's what he says. It's, it, there's grace throughout this prophecy or in this uh, book. But he says, Let, uh, he says, after two days, he will revive us on the third day. He will raise us up that we may live before him. So after two days, I mean, in that prophecy, Friday to Sunday is two days, but it's the third day. Sunday is the third day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's not literal 24-hour period. It's just over the course of three years. On the third day, he was raised. And, and uh, yeah, the, and the, the Old Testament is, is laying this out, that this is going to happen. Ezekiel 37, can these bones live? Only you know, Lord. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's so critical for our faith that, uh, that this, this is, and, and, and it just didn't happen, you know, in a, just to a few people. No. This, this resurrection happened to a boatload of people. Absolutely. And that's what makes Christianity distinct from every other religion in the world. It's falsifiable. Uh, Gary Habermas, in his wonderful work, uh, The Historical Jesus, he, he speaks about the fact that even today there is a stunning degree of uh, agreement between Christian and non-Christian historians with regard to the person uh, of Jesus Christ. 
I'll just give you a few of those. Without question, no one can deny that there was a man named Jesus who died by Roman crucifixion. There are there's too many even non-Christian historians who, who spoke about it and wrote about it in that day. Secondly, he was buried. Thirdly, his, his death led his disciples to despair. Fourth, the tomb was empty. Fifth, the disciples had experiences that they believed to be literal experiences of the risen Christ. Sixth, they were transformed from cowards to <laughs> courageous men willing to die. In fact, ten of the twelve there's no denying it, died as martyrs. They died a martyr's death. And one, John, was exiled for his faith. I love what Charles Spurgeon said on Easter 1854. He says, they were men who had nothing to gain by it. They subjected themselves to persecution by affirming that very fact that Christ had been raised. Seventh point that Habermas makes, this message was the central message of the early church even in the first century, when those claims could be falsified. In other words, they could be proven untrue. And yet it was the central message of the early church. An eighth point that he makes is that this message was proclaimed, that is the message of crucifixion and resurrection, it was proclaimed in Jerusalem, which was ground zero (laughs) of those events. Again, that would have, it could have been falsified, proven untrue if they were untrue. Ninth, as a result of this message, the first century church grew and, as you said, continues to grow. It grows geographically and it grows generationally as that gospel was passed from one generation to the next. Tenth, Sunday immediately became the primary day for corporate worship in the first century. In other words, something happened on Sunday that completely changed their worship calendar. Yeah, because they would typically would worship the, on... The Sabbath was Saturday. Yes. Eleventh, James, who was Jesus's half-brother, was a skeptic. I don't know how you can be skeptic when you, you <laughs> never see your brother sin. Of course, siblings can see things in their... their <laughs> each other that, 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 that doesn't do even not exist. See, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he went from being skeptic to be gloriously converted after seeing the risen Christ. We learned that from 1 Corinthians 15. And then finally, everyone acknowledges that there was a man named Saul who was a terrorist, the first terrorist, if you will, on Christians. And this man was gloriously converted as he saw the risen Christ. There's one more evidence that I, I would speak to that I love this one. At about 150 A.D., Justin Martyr, he wrote an open letter to the Roman emperor where he asserts that the claims about Jesus' birth could still be seen from a census that was floating around even at that time. Not only that, his life, his miracles, and his resurrection from official reports filed by Pontius Pilate. He couldn't have written that if that could have been and would have been falsified. It's, He's writing to the emperor. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and therefore, because of all of these facts and because of all of this, and, and, and he uh, appeared, uh, talk, talk to us just real briefly about 
um, appearing to hundreds and hundreds of people. I mean, it wasn't just to the disciples, the apostles, who gave up their life for him, but it's, it's, it's like um, hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah. He speaks of this gospel message, which is, he says, of first importance, uh, which is the cross and the resurrection. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared, appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Again, the falsifiability. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's just hundreds and hundreds of people yeah. who have seen Jesus. Exactly. You know, I, you know, when I, I was in Israel, I had the opportunity twice. I've been to Israel, and I'll never forget the. Uh, he was a Jewish uh, guide, a, not a Christian, but I asked him about Jesus, and he's like, "Absolutely." I mean, th- there is no, uh, th- there is no way that Jesus didn't live. He, there is so much evidence here right. that Jesus, the Christ, lived. It's amazing, and that he died. It's just amazing, though, that we, um, we we want to minimize the resurrection, and we we and and we we want to minimize what Jesus did. It's Be- it's incredible because we love our sin, <laughs> and the implications of what he did and what he accomplished are mammoth on our private lives and on our moral lives. Yeah, because if if he truly raised from the dead. Conquering sin, conquering death, conquering the the works of the devil. Yes. Um, he is truly King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and our only response is to humbly say, right. "Yes, Lord, I, I will follow. I will obey." Um, but we we are prone to wander, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. We're prone to leave the God that we love. We are. We are. We want to be lords of our own lives. Our self-will is our God. Yeah. Um, Brian, talk to us. uh, Just introduce that, and then we're going to have to take a break. Um, When he, uh, you mentioned in the break, when he was raised from the dead, and the the witnesses saw him um, apologetically, um, you you mentioned apologetically, Mm -hmm. uh, evangelically, theologically, the implications for that. Just introduce that, and then we'll, we'll... In fact, you know what? We need to take a break, and we'll unpack that all in the next segment. So coming up in our fourth and final segment, we're going to unpack a whole lot in nine minutes about that. Did you get all that? Okay, you're going to get a seminary degree here in about nine minutes, right? So we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about the greatest event that ever happened, the resurrection of Jesus, and why we are here today doing our show, because we believe here at Solid Steps that you are destined to walk with God through Jesus Christ. And we just pray that this Easter is a blessing to you. We're going to talk more about the resurrection here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment. We'd like to have about 20 more of these with Brian because we're talking about a topic that never gets old. We're talking about the Resurrection Sunday and why there's going to be a lot of people who go to church on Sunday who may not go, at the, what do they call them, the Christers, Christmas and Easter. And they go two mm. times a year and say, you know what, we love you to come regardless of when. But boy, some people show up on Sunday, their Sunday best, and they don't really know why. They just go on Sundays on Easter. And why is that such a big deal um, and, and ministers in, in church say, boy, this is the Super Bowl of our week year because it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So we're going to uh, we want to thank our sponsors who also are a big deal to us. Dan Hart Financial, if you have any questions about 
retirement. Dan Hart can walk through that biblically and, and show you some wisdom about how to retire. And also want to thank Country Lake Christian Retreat Center. They have got a ton of stuff going on this summer. If you have an organization that needs to get away, get out in God's creation, Country Lake Christian Retreat Center can do that. And also Southeast Outlook. Um, they have all kinds of doings and goings on of what's going on in God's kingdom. And we want to thank all of them for being the sponsors of our show along with LNN Credit Union. So, okay, so Brian, uh, all these witnesses have seen the resurrected Christ. He truly was dead. It it wasn't kind of just, you know, in a coma, Mm -hmm. you know. He was dead. Dead. Dead, dead, and came back to life. He incurred the wrath of God. He was exiled. It wasn't just a physical exile. It was, he was cut out of the land of the living, as Isaiah 53 tells us. He was exiled. He was alienated from God, which is the human condition apart from Christ. He took that condition. He took the judgment that we deserve in our place. And, and, and then when he was raised to life. He inaugurated, he, he ushered in the new age to come. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, but if in Christ, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits. Now what does first fruits indicate? There's a harvest that's coming of those who have fallen asleep. Amen. (laughs) Uh, Now think about those who've fallen asleep, those who have died. What wonderful and glorious hope that is uh, for us who know we're going to die in time, but for our loved ones, those who have died in Christ. Uh, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. So that's not referring to every—the whole world's not going to be saved. It's not going to be a universalistic salvation. I was going to ask you about that. Absolutely. Okay. It's going to be those who are trusting in Christ alone— for their salvation. It's going to be for those who recognize that they are a sinner, that they deserve the judgment of God. There's no, they're not rationalizing their sin. They're not making excuses for their sin. They are acknowledging, I am a sinner. God, I deserve your just judgment. And yet in your wisdom, in your grace, in your mercy, you have made provision for my sin in your son, Jesus Christ. And that, that resurrection is the receipt that indicates the debt has been paid in full. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of you know. I think I heard the story of you know, a, 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 a man who died and was entering into glory, and it's like God the Father is saying, you know, wh- wh- what have you, you know? Yeah. And He points to Jesus. I'm with Him. Amen. Amen. I, I'm with Him. You know. You and, know. There's a. I, I think this is a very important truth. Everything. Outside of Christ is dead in spite of present appearances. Everything in Christ is very much alive in spite of present appearances. Uh, He uh, is the new creation. That's the resurrection. And therefore, Paul can write, if anyone is in Christ, that's union language. We're united to Christ. We are new creations. This is not about how often I attend church. No. This is not how many good things I can do. No. This is not about right. uh, 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 me somehow trying to earn my salvation. There is only one of whom it's ever been said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. 
it's Kirk, it's not you. As as, as amazing as you are as a man, <laughs> which is pretty pathetic. It's not you. <laughs> it's uh, the reality is there's one well-pleasing son, and if we're going to be well-pleasing to the Father, we have to be united to this son by faith. Listener, if you are if you're sitting here and you're going, I, I you know, I've been attending church for a while, but you have never put your trust and hope and full faith in Jesus Christ. What does, what does the Bible say? Today is the day of salvation. Today. Trust him. Turn to him. Yes. Um, Brian, talk, talk real quickly about you know, the witnesses who saw Jesus. Um, you, you mentioned apologetically what that means, theologically what that means, and even evangelistically what that means. Well, apologetically, we just mean that, that the, the Christian faith can be defended in time and space. It is a historical faith. For instance, Islam, we, the, the, the Muslims rely upon a secret message that Muhammad received from Allah, supposedly, and, and then everyone has to trust him. Uh, the Mormon faith re- relies upon a secret message that Joseph, rece- Joseph Smith received, evidently, and then his followers are just to trust him on that. Well, the Christian faith is falsifiable. There were many, as we read from 1 Corinthians, who actually saw the bodily, uh, who saw Christ embodied after his resurrection. And, and Paul says that most of them were still alive at the time in which he wrote 1 Corinthians. So, so that's apologetically. That's apologetically, exactly, which means just defending. Yeah. You, the, the, the Christian faith can be defended uh, because of its historical uh, realities. Um, when we talk about it theologically, why is the why does the the resurrection matter to us uh, spiritually? What what are the theological ramifications implications? For instance, we were talking about this: the resurrection is the ground of our new birth. Paul says, or Peter writes, "Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given you new birth into a living hope." through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so our regeneration, our new birth, is grounded by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And and so the Christian experiences that same resurrection power in our sanctification, which is our growth Mm -hmm. and our maturity in godliness, where we're conformed into the image of his Son. And 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 take uh, just <laughs> evangelistically. Evangel take us take thirty just, seconds. Thirty seconds, because of the resurrection, we now know that everyone is subject to God in Jesus Christ. They are under His authority. They are accountable to Him. Acts ten thirty nine. I'll just give you this one. Acts thirteen thirty seven. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. He is the only source for the forgiveness of sins. He's the only one who's ever been raised from the grave and stayed alive. <laughs> yes. And, and now he is going to be the judge of the living and the dead. He's been appointed by God to do that, and therefore we are all accountable to him. We must repent. We must trust and believe in him as a result of that resurrection that is good stuff brother if this i i I was so excited about what we were going to talk about today and this the joy of truly this uh, our salvation is 
rooted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then he has ascended up into heaven. But our time is up, brother. And uh, just thank you, a huge thank you for coming in. Been a blessing. Appreciate it, brother. Would you pray for us, guys? Pray for us. Father, I thank you for your mercy and grace Mm. that is bestowed on us at personal expense in your son, Jesus Christ, who took the judgment we deserve but was raised, reversing the curse on our sin, ushering in a new creation for those who would trust in him, Lord. And I just want to pray for every man. I pray for those who are saved, that they would look to Christ as their hope. And Lord, that hope and that promise would inform the way they walk, the way they, uh, they do marriage, the way they lead their wives, the way they raise their children, Lord, that they would raise them in the Lord and with that hope. Lord, I pray if there's any man who's never trusted in Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. I pray you would convict them of their sin. And I pray, Lord, that they, out of godly sorrow of their sin, would repent and trust in Jesus alone, the one raised from the grave, for our salvation. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. You know, as you're praying that, you know, the old hymn, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. And righteousness, yes. Amen. So if you're listening and just caught the end of that, boy, you caught a good part of it. <laughs> uh, you know, Easter is something that's celebrated once a year, and my wife's got some nice outfits for all of us to wear, and, and we, we got all put together. But the power of Easter is not just one day a week or Amen. one day a year. The power of the resurrection is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. The resurrection happens and, and brings power today. Amen. And... Brian said it really well. He said the, he said a lot really well, but he said that the gospel was not just for once. It's for every hour of every day for mm. every person who has accepted it. Mm. I need the gospel just as much now as I did when I was 28 years old, 19 years ago. Mm. So really the resurrection, we don't have to wait for the resurrection one day for us to be resurrected physically because there's been a spiritual resurrection in those who are in Christ Jesus. And then I'm alive again. I was dead 18 years ago, Mm. but now I'm alive because I believe that Jesus was the Christ and is the Christ. And so if you're listening today, he can take you Mm. from death to life. Amen. Whether you are dead in your dead in your sins or dead in your marriage or just walking around going, I have no hope. We have hope because the tomb is empty. So that's why we celebrate Easter. So if you are just deciding that today, I don't think I've ever done an altar call on Solid Steps at all. But if you have ever, if you have never claimed Christ and you do now because you've heard this show, would you let us know that? And and just let us know, send us a message, Facebook, and and message us and just say, hey, I made that decision. And for those of you who have already made that decision, can you see why you've made a good one? (laughs) And it's a continue a day to day. So we want to thank you for listening. Thank you for Easter. Uh, and we thank you for, uh, hopefully you can just pass this along to somebody who needs to hear the Easter message. They may not step foot in a church this Easter, but the message is still for them. So we hope you listen. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.